0: Chapter Four of Ferns Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ferns Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Four. Threatening clouds little nan would be waiting for him as well as his supper and stephen forgot his weariness as he bounded along the soft turf to the great discomfiture of the brown-faced sheep quite as anxious for their supper as he was for his stephen heard far off snip's sharp impatient bark and it made him quicken his step still more until coming within sight of his own hollow he stopped suddenly and his heart beat even more vehemently than when he was running up the hillside there was however nothing very terrible in the scene the hut was safe and the sun was shining brightly upon the garden and little nan was standing as usual at the wicket only in the oat-field with their faces looking across the green stood two men in close conversation These men were both of them old, and rather thin and shrivelled in figure. Their features bore great resemblance to each other, the eyes being small and sunken, with many wrinkles round them, and both mouths much fallen in. You would have said at once they were brothers, and if you drew near enough to hear their conversation, you would have found your guess was right. Brother Thomas, said the thinnest and sharpest looking, I intend to enclose as far as we can see from this point that southern bank will be a first-rate place for young animals i shall build a house with three rooms above and below besides a small dairy and i shall plant a wood behind it to keep off the east winds the lime and bricks from my own works will not cost me much more than the expense of bringing them up here and a very pretty little hill farm you'll make of it james replied thomas wily admiringly i should not wonder now if you got twenty pounds a year rent for it i shall get twenty-five pounds in a few years said the other one just think of the run for ponies on the hill to say nothing of sheep a young hard-working man could make a very tidy living up here and we shall have a respectable house instead of a pauper's family it will be a benefit to the neighbourhood observed thomas wylie the latter speaker who was a degree pleasanter looking than his brother was the relieving officer of the large union to which botfield belonged and in consequence all poor persons who had grown too old or were in any way unable to work were compelled to apply to him for the help which the laws of our country provide for such cases james wylie the elder brother was the owner of botfield works and the master of all the people employed in them besides being the agent of the lord of the manor so both these men possessed great authority over the poor and they used the power to oppress them and grind them down to the utmost it was therefore no wonder that stephen stopped instantly when he saw their well-known figures standing at the corner of his oatfield nor that he should come on slowly after he had recovered his courage pondering in his own mind what they were come up to fern's hollow for and how he should answer them if they should want him to give up the old hut good evening my lad said james wylie smiling a slow reluctant smile as stephen drew near to them with his cap in his hand so you buried your father yesterday i hear poor fellow there was not a better collier at botfield than james fern never troubled his parish for a sixpence added thomas wiley thank you master said stephen the tears starting to his eyes so unexpected was this gentle greeting to him i'll try to be like father well my boy said thomas wiley we have come up here on purpose to give you our advice as you are such a mere lad i have been thinking what can be done for you there is your grandfather a poor simple helpless old man and the little girl why of course we shall have to receive them into the house and i will see there is no difficulty made about it and then we intend to get your sister into some right good service i should not mind taking her into my own house said the master mr james Wiley. she would soon learn under my niece anne so you'll be set free to get your own living without encumbrance you are earning your six shillings now and that will keep you well please sir answered stephen we mean to live all together as we've been used to and i couldn't let grandfather and little nan come upon the parish martha must stay at home to mind them and i'll work my fingers to the bone for them all sir many thanks all the same to you for coming up here to see after us very fine indeed my little fellow said thomas Wily. but you don't understand what you are talking about it is my place to see after the poor and i cannot leave you in charge of such a very old man and such a child as this no no they must be taken care of and they'll be made right comfortable in the house father said replied stephen that i was never to let grandfather and little nan come upon the parish i get my wages and we've no rent to pay and the potatoes and oats will help us and martha can pick bilberries on the hill and carry bundles of firings to the village and we'll do well enough without the parish many thanks all the same to you sir hark ye my lad said the master impatiently i want to buy your old hut and field from you i'll give ye a ten-pound note for it-a whole ten pounds why a fortune for you father said repeated stephen i was never to give up fern's hollow and i gave him a sure promise for that and to take care of little nan as long as ever i lived fern's hollow is none of yours cried the master in a rage you've just been a family of paupers and squatters living up here by poaching and thieving i'll unearth you i promise ye you have been a disgrace to the manor long enough so it is ten pounds or nothing for your old hole and you may take your choice please sir said stephen firmly the place is ours and i'm never to part with it i'll never poach and i'll never trespass on the manor but i can't sell the old house sir now just listen to me young fern said thomas wylie you'll be compelled to give up fern's hollow in right of the lord of the manor and then if you come to the house for relief mark my words i'll send your grandfather off to bristol for that's his parish and you'll never see him again and i'll give orders for you never to see little nan and i'll apprentice you and your other sister in different places so you'd better be reasonable and take our advice while you could be made comfortable please sir i can't go against my promise answered stephen with a sob what's the use of wasting one's breath said the master this place i want and this place i'll have and we'll see if that young jail-bird will stand in my way ah my fine fellow it's no such secret where your grandfather spent twenty-one years of his life and you'll have a sup of the same broth some day you don't keep a dog like that yelping cur for nothing and i'll tell the gamekeeper to have his eye upon you stephen stood motionless watching them down the narrow path which led to botfield until a rabbit started from beneath the hedge and snip with a sharp short bark of excitement gave it chase in the direction of the two men the master paused and looking back shook his stick threateningly at the motionless figure of the boy while thomas wylie threw a stone at the dog which sent him back yelping piteously to his young master's feet stephen clenched his hands and bit his lips till the blood started but he did not move till the last glimpse of his foes had passed away from the hillside martha had hidden herself in the hut while they were present for she had never spoken to the dreaded master but she could overhear their loud and angry speeches and now she came out and joined stephen well i'd have more spirit than to cry she said as stephen brushed his eyes with his sleeve i'd never have spoken so gingerly to them the wizen faced old rascals the place is ours and they can't turn us out it's no use to be cowed by them stephen they can turn me off the works answered stephen sadly and whatever shall we do then asked martha in alarm still i reckon you'll say we're to love those old wretches the book says so replied stephen well i won't set up to try to do it for one continued martha decisively it's not nature it's being over good by half i'm willing to do my duty by you and grandfather and little nan but that goes beyond me if you just give way stevie and give them a good rating you'll feel better after it i don't know that he answered walking gloomily towards the door he felt so much passion and anger within him that it did seem as if it would be a relief to utter some of the terrible oaths which he heard frequently in the pit and which had been familiar enough in his own mouth a few months ago but now other words familiar from daily reading the words that he had repeated to tim so short a time before Were being whispered as it seemed close by his ear love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you there was a deadly conflict going on in the boy's soul and martha's angry words were helping the tempter he sat down despondently on the door-sill and hid his face in his hands while he listened to his sister's taunts against his want of spirit and her fears that he would give up their home for his new notions he was about to answer her at last with the passion she was trying to provoke when a soft little cheek was pressed against his downcast head and little nan lisped in her broken words me sleepy stevie me say our father and go to bed the child knelt down before him and laid her folded hands upon his knee as she had done every evening since his father died while he said the prayer and she repeated it slowly after him he felt as though he were praying for himself a feeling of deep earnestness came over him and though his voice faltered as he said softly forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us it seemed as if there was a spirit in his heart agreeing to the words and giving him power to say them he did not know then that the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered but while he prayed with little nan he received great comfort and strength though he was ignorant of the source from whence they came When the child's prayers were ended, he roused himself cheerfully to action, and as long as the lingering twilight lasted, both Stephen and Martha were busily at work in the garden. End of chapter 4